Warm weather is here. Time to get outside, enjoy your favorite activities, and spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more. Sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. As we welcome you in, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, we bring on a great guest, one of Dr. Cole's partners at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, a young surgeon who's just tremendous, Dr. Adam Yankee. He's a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon at MOR, specializing in knees, shoulders, and elbows with an interest in advanced arthroscopy, shoulder replacements, and a special focus on patellofemoral dysfunction and cartilage restoration. Dr. Cole, uh, I know you're impressed with this young man. We're happy to have him on. Well, he so Dr. Yankee, we can call him Adam because he's still like my son, um, has, he's, we call him a lifer. So he'll tell us his, uh, his legacy at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, which almost goes back to probably doing daycare when he was uh, <laughs> pre-K. So he's, he's pro- he has been the longest running uh, participant in continuing education at, at Rush and Midwest Orthopedics in the Department of Orthopedics, I, would, I can safely say. Is that right, Adam, pretty much? Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. Everything post-inception, I think I've been at Rush. So tell, wait, so, so for our listeners, uh, and now you're, uh, you're, you're, you are a full on orthopedic surgeon and researcher, my partner, uh, at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. What, what is your, tell us your, your pedigree that goes back as it relates to being at Rush. Yeah. So I, uh, coming out of college, I had a mentor and I said, I want to be in Chicago, New York or Boston. And he recommended Rush in Chicago. And I started out in Susan Shubinskaya's lab as a lab technician. I did that for a year while I was applying to medical school and then went to medical school, took a year during medical school to work with you doing research between my third and fourth year. I worked towards a master's then, uh, then stayed on for residency, turned the master's into a doctorate uh, that I finished during residency. Uh, After the five years of uh, orthopedic residency, then stayed on for sports medicine fellowship. And now I'm in my seventh year of practice, which is hard to believe. So 19 years later, uh, here I am. And it's mainly because I didn't have any other options along the way. That's a podcast in itself, Dr. Cole. You know that? I mean, this is (laughs) to to go. We should really do one talking about the the evolution and uh, the path you have to go through. It's really amazing what Dr. Yankee has gone through. You did the same, and we've discussed that over our 10 years of Sports Medicine Weekly, you were in Pittsburgh and New York, but they are fascinating stores. I find them neat. I don't think I paid taxes till I was 34 years old, just to just to set the foundation. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, so, what you go through? I want to ask Dr. Yankee. I mean, how it's a love, right? You love what you do, um, and you're going to say it's worth it, right? I mean, the path to get here. 
Yeah, completely. It's uh, very easy to always look at the next step and what you see in front of you. And it's fun to kind of stop and look back and be like, oh my gosh, it's actually been a long time. And uh, it's great that it moves by so fast. And I think that's a sign that you were doing something you like a lot and you're surrounded by people that make it enjoyable. And we're going to uh, get into some things for the listeners, um, helping as Dr. Cole and Dr. Yankee to help us through some of these um, questions that come up and issues that our listeners have as far as sports injuries are concerned. But I also want to talk to Dr. Cole about how Dr. Yankee kind of picked specifically, you know, knee, shoulders and elbows and, um, and cartilage restoration. I mean, he's done some really incredible studies and, uh, and trying to take it to another level, I think, with the new science, right? Well, so, you know, one thing about our group at Rush Midwest Orthopedics is that virtually everyone spends some time doing research and you don't necessarily have to be a master's, uh, have a master's degree or a PhD, one of the things that Adam does have, but people will really take the time just given the passion that we have in, in what we call translational research. You know, one of the greatest things about having resources that we have is that we can identify a problem in the office we can take it to the laboratory, we can study it in the clinic, and then in pretty short order, come back and make recommendations for our patients. So it's, it speaks to the importance of outcomes. But one of the things, when I started you know, 23 years ago, we began this cartilage restoration program, and it takes more than one person. So one of the things that, that uh, Dr. Yankee has brought to the table is depth and breadth in terms of how we think about this problem. And you know, I, I, I always say that the, the strength of a program is you surround yourself with people who are better than you. And that's really what he brings to the table. So I know, you know, one, we all kind of have these areas of subspecialization as sports medicine physicians. We often say we take care of shoulders, elbows, and knees, generally, at least in our specialty, uh, that you could also, you know, be doing ankles and hips and things of that nature. But the unique aspect of what Dr. Yankee does is a, a real expertise in what we call patellofemoral problems. You did a good job announcing it. You could barely say it when you said it. You said patellofemoral pain, or I, I think that's how you, what you said, right? Patellofemoral. Yeah, Femoral? you did a good job. But you did a, you, you pronounced <laughs> it perfectly. Well, I want to so, ask. So let me ask Dr. Yankee. Yeah, so did you find when you were doing, you know, you know what I think of as an internship, fellowship, and different things, you were moving up the ladder. Did you find a need? Was it a love for for things like you know uh, clinical trials and and uh, cartilage restoration? Or did, did you find a love for that or a need that you know what this is something maybe unexplored that we that I want to dive into? Yeah, I think it was a combination of the two coming together. And, you know, growing up, uh, my parents had to deal with somebody that questioned them constantly. And everybody that trained me had to deal with the same thing. And sometimes it probably gets a little old, but sometimes it can be useful. And I think the combination of being inquisitive and then also finding a field that had more questions than answers. So the patellofemoral joint is not something that historically has had a lot of singular focus with dedicated fellowship uh, opportunities. And um, it's something that has evolved a lot. And there's certainly many experts in the field that are willing to teach. It's just getting access to them and getting the bug. And so I think I saw that it was a part of the knee that hadn't had as much attention historically and certainly could benefit from uh, improved approaches and treatments uh, to try to help patients. And so those two things really made it work really well. Steve, you know, the number one complaint I think we get in the office 
from a patient who comes in with a knee problem is my knee hurts when I go up and down stairs and it crunches. And see, my, my crunches, knees. but doesn't hurt. There's no pain. It's that well, popping that's which very, we've talked about. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's often the case, but it causes concern for people because they just don't know what to make of that. I mean, Adam, would you say that, you know, when you think about patients coming to your office, that's the patellofemoral joint. Patients say, look, they put their hand in front of their knee. They sit in an airplane for a long time. They sit in a movie theater. They go from a sit to a standing position or they go up and down stairs and they have pain and then their knees grind or crunch. And they're very concerned if they do nothing, that something bad will happen downstream. Yeah, that's completely true. And they have that movie theater sign like you described where you sit for a while and get up and have that uh, pain in the front of the knee or anterior pain. And it's hard to translate to patients because they all they say is that deep in the front of their knee and they'll try to point with their two fingers at the front of the knee. Like if you connect these dots, this is really where I feel it. They'll say right under the kneecap. And it's a different part of the joint where people have heard of the meniscus, they've heard of the ligaments, but if you say the words patella and trochlea and trochlear groove, um, you kind of lose people pretty quickly. And so really trying to help them understand that there's cartilage on both sides of the joint. It's a small bone that tracks in kind of a railroad track or a groove on the end of the thigh bone or the femur. And if there's any damage along that way, they really sense that crunching in that irregular road that the joint is running across as they do that. And like you said, going downstairs is at least four times body weight. So that's usually a difficult one, uh, as well as squatting. What's what, what do you tell patients the significance of this? We call it crepitus or grinding or crunching when that they have going up and downstairs. Could it be that there's nothing wrong in the knee or could it be that there's something terrible in the knee and how does a patient differentiate that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question and something you and I both know that we see very, very frequently in the office. And the good news is, is that in the vast majority of situations, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a big deal. It's not something that's causing damage. Sometimes it can be from structural irregularities, meaning the cartilage surface underneath the, the bone is rough and it's a roughened road that you're riding across and you can feel those differences. And sometimes it's not even related to that. It can come from the synovium or the lining of the joint being inflamed and hypertrophied where it gets larger than it should and get caught in between the two bones, the patella and the femur and cause that crunching. Regardless, if it's from structural abnormalities, if it's just from some inflammation in the lining of the joint, none of those scenarios are you causing damage by ignoring it and pushing through it. It only matters what the source is, depending on what treatments you get to if you fail initial conservative management. Yeah, I think you raise a great point when we really look at why patients come to see us in the office. Mostly it's about abundance of concern. And what we do is provide reassurance. And I think that's, I, I've often thought about having a sign at the front desk that says, if you're here because your shoulders or your knees are crunching and you have no pain, had no injury, have no swelling, you can turn around and go home because you don't need to see a doctor. And it's a, it's, it's a sometimes dissatisfying visit because patients need more information. Sometimes they're just very happy to know that it's quote normal and not going to lead to further damage if nothing is done for it. Well, and I think that um, something about that conversation that gets difficult is that you have people that come in and they, they may have pain. It may or may not be associated with their crunching. They have an MRI that ends up being completely structurally normal. And then they wonder if they're just crazy or what they're dealing with. And how do you reconcile a completely normal MRI, but a knee that hurts? And, you know, it's a discussion that surgeons probably historically haven't been heavily involved in because it's not something that has a surgical fix to it. 
treating the synovium surgically or removing it like a plica resection is something people may have heard of. We're debriding something called the fat pad, which lives up in the front of the knee. You know, surgically, those may play a role, but most likely it's just decreasing the inflammation in those areas that are structurally normal and not doing something related to a tear or something obvious. You know, the other thing that we often see is uh, this concept of kneecap instability. And I think that's probably the second most common thing we often have to evaluate in the office due to instability. Uh, maybe share with us a little bit about what that means, because when people say my knee is unstable, often thinking about the ACL or the anterior cruciate ligament, but the kneecap being unstable is a is a big deal as well and not uncommon. Do you want to just share with our listeners how you evaluate what they present with? What's a typical mechanism? What do they say? And what do we do for it? Sure. So uh, kind of a lay way to describe it is uh, my knee dislocated. And when you dislocate your knee, uh, as far as a surgeon is concerned, we consider that the entire knee joint versus your kneecap dislocating, which is what you're describing. And that's patellar instability. So the patella is the small uh, bone in the front of the knee that uh, we all know as the kneecap. And what can happen is you can have a twisting, typically non-contact mechanism, like a change in direction or a pivoting, and it puts an increased load on the kneecap that wants to go towards the outside of the knee or lateral. Uh, that can then result in the kneecap actually coming completely out of the groove where it lives, and that subsequently pretty much always tears the ligament that holds the kneecap in place called the MPFL, or the medial patellofemoral ligament. When that comes out of place, it then has to go back into place. And sometimes when that happens, it knocks off a piece of cartilage, sometimes a piece of cartilage and bone, as it gets back into the center where it was supposed to be. And so typically it's a pretty obvious event where sometimes patients even see their kneecap come out to the side. Sometimes it reduces on its own, which is actually the most common. And usually there's a significant amount of swelling that follows this within the first 24 hours due to the bleeding from the tearing of the ligament itself. I've got a few more questions, but uh, first of all, um, I want to remind everyone, one of our sponsors is Vericell. They develop, manufactures, and markets uh, telegus cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcell, V-C-E-L, Dot com and we hope that uh, everyone is trying dr uh, dr cole i know has tried it i have as well karen malkin's new protein brownie bars and superfood bars best tasting bars in the market certified gluten-free paleo no added sugar karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on amazon and at karenmalkin.com they are amazing folks and best stuff you can eat uh maybe during a break or a pre-workout or post-workout. And back to Dr. Adam Yankee and Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cash. I wanted to ask, um, back a couple of minutes ago, gentlemen, you're talking about people walking into the office and everything and um, some of this anterior knee pain and, uh, and the crunching and the knees hurting. Um, are they specific to a certain uh, audience, uh, uh, male, female? Are we talking about older people? Do you see this, Dr. Yankee, and 10-year-olds that walk in or 15-year-olds or mostly uh, uh, people over 50? Yeah, it's a great question. And to what Dr. Cole was saying, uh, it really is such a common complaint that we really see it throughout a spectrum of ages. 
and the cause can be different based on the patient's age. So we see very young individuals, so young teenagers. Typically, it's a bilateral complaint, so it's on both sides. It's a non-traumatic onset, so they're usually playing a sport or doing some new activity where they're starting to get repetitive overuse type pain. And then we have individuals that, as they get older, might develop arthritis and develop pain in the front of the knee for other reasons. Typically, the younger patients don't have swelling associated with their issue, and again, they have that new activity, whereas as you get older and it's more arthritis-related, you may get swelling, and then you get really a bimodal type of uh, distribution of pain where you start out with a spike of startup stiffness when you get out of a chair, for instance, and when you start moving around, you actually feel better. But then if you do too much, you pay for it at the end, and so you can have that honeymoon period in the middle uh, between when you get up and just get started and then do too much. And so usually our approach varies based on uh, the patients coming in, but almost all of them do benefit from physical therapy quite a bit because this is such a mobile part of the joint. There are static restraints that you can't control other than potentially surgical intervention like the ligament we discussed, the MPFL. And then you have dynamic constraints, which is really the quadricep muscle, the hips, uh, the glutes, the abductors, and all of those really play a role of keeping the thigh bone and the foot in the right angle so that the kneecap tracks appropriately. And then you have the least amount of pressure put on it, which subsequently should alleviate pain. Question for both Dr. Cole and Dr. Adam Yankee. Um, Stem cell injections. Okay, we're hearing this more. We see the big, you know, in the in the paper. And Dr. Cole and I have talked about this. Don't just go run to your local, you know, the, the guy on the street that you see or the the big ad in the in the newspaper because. Um, Dr. Cole, you mentioned that uh, this is not regulated, right? So uh, it's, it's, it's tough right now to figure out who's good, who's not. Obviously, we trust you guys um, 100%. But um, Dr. Yankee, tell me uh, the importance of clinical trials that might utilize stem cell injections for arthritis. Uh, are these becoming popular? Are we on the early stages of this? Yeah, that's, that's a very hot-button topic, and it's something that... Uh, it's kind of unbelievable to see patients come in asking about um, because you really feel bad for patients because they're, they're put at a significant disadvantage because there's more misinformation uh, than correct information on what these things can do, what is a stem cell, what actually contains stem cells and the treatments that we offer. And if it does have these cells or signaling cells, what can they actually accomplish? And so, you know, the first step in treating patients as we talk about that is really education and helping them understand what we can and cannot do. Uh, that's where research really does come into play. So we're not looking to just apply something um, and see what happens down the road. We'd rather do it in a systematic fashion where we compare it to prior treatments that we know have benefit and we put it head to head with those other options. And then we look at outcomes that are not just the standard outcomes of, are you feeling better? We start to look at the joint environment and say, are we actually decreasing inflammation and the other things called cytokines in the knee that can be inflammatory and cause pain with this treatment? And so we wanna see, can we give a biologic advantage to that environment in the joint while also providing pain relief and functional improvements secondarily to the patients? And so. I think that that's one of the great parts about our practice in Midwest Orthopedics is that we offer stem cell or biologic injections very frequently through clinical trials, probably more so than we even use them clinically, because we'd like to add to the overall amount of data available so we can understand what patients we should really indicate and when we should utilize it. 
Steve, as we sort of finish up this uh, episode, I want to just ask Dr. Yankee, you know, we've been very blessed that we've, oh gosh, we've probably published, you know, several hundred articles in the area of Carlos research and what we call orthobiologics that include this concept of stem cells and so forth. When you think back, you're what, seven years in practice, right? Yes. So when you think back um, to, you know, we spend an enormous amount of time trying to collect data from our patients and have done, I think, an ex- a very good job because it's arduous and it does require commitments on the side of the patients as well. What do you think sort of the, some of the top two or three things that we've learned over the last five years based upon the ability to really carefully look at the treatments we provide to our patients and, and actually use our intermediate to long-term follow-up to help us make decisions moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and uh, certainly any part of this answer has to do with the many conversations you and I have had over the last fifteen years, uh, looking at this together, as well as with other colleagues that we collaborate with. And I think having all these different points of view is what allows us to come at this from different angles. So, I'd say one of the big components is that just because you have a hammer doesn't mean everything's a nail. And so we look at the cartilage and think about cartilage restoration. We want to restore that. But I think we realize now that there's many other pain generators in the knee outside of the cartilage itself, and we need to treat the knee as an organ, uh, just like the heart. So we would never just put a stent in somebody's heart and ignore their high blood pressure, diabetes, and everything else that led to that to begin with. And so the more that we can try to treat that environment and the bone and the synovium and the load that it sees because of alignment, I think the better off we're going to be. If you then look at uh, patient outcomes that come after the treatment that we render, one of the ways we used to measure success was whether or not they had a good to excellent result. You know, that was something that we would report frequently in papers and say there's 80% good to excellent results. Well, what does that actually mean for an individual? Does that mean they're functionally better, that their overall mental status about the knee is improved? Uh, Do they have less pain? What level of function are they getting back to? What Are they playing sports? Are they getting back to work? So now we take a much more granular approach to the outcomes to start to say, this is what you can do specifically with regards to pain, function, and your mental approach afterwards and perception of your issue. And this is when you can expect to see those results. So will you see it at three months, six months, one year? And we're really starting to tease those things out uh, quite a bit. And I would say a third item, I'm sure there's many more, but another one that I certainly have a particular interest in, and you and I, again, have discussed frequently, is just trying to predict the best option for a patient before you do the treatment. And so there can be certain situations where a surgeon is very familiar with one type of cartilage transplantation technique, and you can treat everything with that technique. But the reason why we have so many options still available is that a lot of them can work. And we needed to figure out which ones work best in specific scenarios and situations and what makes one more durable than another for a given situation. And so I think it's exciting to be able to take preoperative factors based on the MRI, patient complaints, and the patient reported outcomes that we collect ahead of time and say, this is your actual chance of success with this surgery specifically based on my outcomes with this surgery in similar patients that have come through the door. And to be able to offer that type of information to patients, I think, is pretty game-changing for clinicians. It's good stuff. Excellent. Dr. Adam Yankee, sports medicine orthopedic surgeon with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Great stuff, Dr. Adam. We really appreciate it. Continued success. 
you've come a, a long way and uh, you're still very young. So <laughs> a lot ahead, but uh, continued success with the, what I like to call the new science and uh, keep, uh, you know, peeling the, uh, the onion back to see uh, what else you can come up with. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. And of course, I'd like to thank you, Steve, for uh, knowing you throughout the years, too, and, and helping the conversation. And Dr. Cole, obviously, as my uh, mentor, uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me. And I'd love to say that here on the podcast that uh, I owe a lot of where I am today to all of the mentorship you've given me. So uh, thank you. you got too. it. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Many thanks to uh, Dr. Brian Cole and Dr. Adam Yankee, also our producer, Alex Roca. And Dr. Yankee, um, where best can people find you? Sure. My uh, website is yankeemd.com. And uh, you can look at information for appointments there. I'm also on social media on Instagram at adamyankeemd. And it's not spelled like the New York Yankees, right? Y-A-N-K-E. Y-A-N-K-E. That's right. Wonderful. Great stuff, Dr. Adam Yankee. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we uh, wish you the best in uh, your future endeavors and hope to have you on again. Thanks for having me. And as we say goodbye, uh, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, MOR, among the international leaders in musculoskeletal health, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush physicians, all faculty in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Rush University Medical Center, which is currently ranked number five in orthopedics by U.S. News and World Report. Founded in 2003, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is comprised of internationally renowned orthopedic and spine surgeons who pioneer the latest advances in technology and surgical techniques to improve the lives and activity levels of patients around the world. Physicians of Midwest Orthopedics at Rush proudly to be the official team physicians with the Bulls, White Sox, and Fire Soccer Club, also the Joffrey Ballet. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and schedule an appointment at one of the Midwest Orthopedics at Rush's convenient Chicago and Western Suburban locations. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Dr. Cole, Dr. Yankee, Alex, thanks so much. We'll talk with everyone again next time.